All right, everybody, welcome. We're back at it. Uh, I know we've been quiet for a little while, but it's only because we have some pretty amazing guests who are coming on the show and peeling back the layers of what it means to offer amazing customer experience. Uh, So you're probably thinking, well, Todd, why does that matter? Uh, There's so much noise in this world today that customers can easily jump from brand to brand. But if you offer customers a simple, elegant, and easy customer experience, then they'll remain loyal to you for years. So in this episode, I had the great pleasure to chat with a truly incredible guy uh, who built a life on customer experience and really a career on customer loyalty. Mark Kovich, the president and CEO of Essential Cabinet Group, uh, a privately held company in Simpsonville, South Carolina, uh, discusses how he thinks about customer experience, especially uh, because he has to deal with a dealer network, makes it a little more complicated, a couple more layers that you have to think about. I really have could have could have spoken with Mark for a while. Um, just an overall great guy, super smart, uh, and he for sure has a customer first mindset that I know you all are really going to enjoy in this conversation. So let's get this episode started. Customer experience is your brand. All about the interaction that a customers customer are not has just customers. They the kind of experience you give to people. Customers. That's what they're going. Amazon to wants you to buy something. A warranty company wants their contractors. Customer to experience. Company, you know, it really is how your brand gets projected out in, into the world. Yeah, Boilermaker. I love it. No, yep, that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, okay, cool. We're live. Uh, Mark, how you doing today? How's it going? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for asking. So today, like, I, I I'm, I'm excited because I really want to dive into like customer experience and 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 everything that you've seen in your career, like how you see customer experience in today's world and how you see it at, at Essential Cabinet Cabinet Group. Um, and so, like, I'll, let's just kind of start as a whole. Like, how how has customer experience uh, changed over your career? Like, over over your lifetime, has, has it become more important? Has it become less important? Like, just just kind of take me through that. Yeah, it, uh, interesting enough, I used to think uh, you know my background is into product development, so you know, kind of a little bit biased in terms of uh, you know the importance of product. So it used for me, it used to be, I thought product was kind of the key differentiator and really where you, uh, you, you kind of uh, expect your competitive advantage to come from. But uh, over the years, as I've uh, moved through my career, uh, clearly product isn't really, isn't really the key differentiator, even for the innovators, uh, like an Apple, for example. Uh, to me, the real key differentiator is all about the customer experience and, you know, Somebody who's got an inferior product line can actually, uh, you know, really out uh, maneuver, you know, bigger competitors or more innovative competitors by uh, having a really a superior customer experience. Hmm. What do you, like? How, how do you define that? What What is customer experience? Because it's such like a a loose term. It could be a bunch of different things. Like, how do you see it? Yeah, for me, customer experience is one is really being, uh, you know, just easier to do business with. First of all, I mean. Uh, you know, cause business can get pretty complicated and for customers, it's pretty complicated. So, uh, you know, trying to make that process as simple as possible. I think the other thing for me is customer experience is going, uh, way beyond what the customer expects. Uh, a lot of times, you know, our customers, for example, really, uh, you know, don't know what to expect. I mean, they just expect the product to be there on time, 
you know, when we tell them it's going to be there and in good quality, but the customer experience goes way beyond that. What were you focusing on early when it, when it came to customer experience and, and how do you think about it now? Yeah, for me, the, the big thing about a customer experience is really, uh, you know, understanding the customer's journey, you know, through, through the process. So in a lot of cases, you know, for, uh, for example, in the cabinet industry, home remodeling, uh, very complicated process, right? A lot, uh, lot of highs and lows. So it's not only understanding the, the process that they're going through, but it's the emotions that they're experiencing as they go through, through any process. I mean, you know, it comes down to just trying to do research and how hard is it to find the information they need. And then once they decide that they've, uh, you know, picked on some, you know, they picked a product, then it's through the purchasing process. And for a home remodeling, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. So there's a lot of stress related to that, you know, and then once they go through it, you know, so as they're moving through the process, there's a lot of, uh, you know, different emotions that take place and, and really trying to understand that is where, for me, I focus a lot of our customer experience on is, is through the journey and through the emotional experience we're going through. Yeah, totally. And, and I, I can only imagine the amount of touch points between you and the, and the end user and the end customer is, right. is like endless. And also not only that, but I'm sure there's like third party involved in that too. Yeah. There's a number of third party uh, <laughs> folks that are involved. Not only do you have your dealers and designers, but you have installers and, and then you, you have uh, complementary um, labor skills, you know, countertops and uh, flooring and you know, things like that, that are also there that potentially could damage the cabinet. So yeah, there's a lot to consider uh, when you're thinking about the customer experience. So like with, with that whole, I mean, there, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going through the different scenarios in my head and I, and it's, and it's sort of endless. Like what, what keeps you up at night when you think about customer experience? Yeah. What really keeps me up at night is the, you know, the changing uh, demands that uh, customers have. So, you know, I mean, first of all, um, you know, you're working with a lot of different demographics, obviously, uh, and each one of those have very different uh, demands on you from a customer experience standpoint. Uh, you know, so uh, really trying to understand how that marketplace is changing uh, and, and making sure that not only does our customer experience model change with the marketplace, but also making sure that you know, our employees are well trained. They understand how the marketplace is changing uh, to make sure we're delivering the customer experience that we intend to, to deliver. So, so how exactly do you do that? Like, how do you stay very close to the customer so that you do understand their emotions, their feelings, and then, then you can either meet or exceed those throughout the process of, of any like service. Yeah. So for us, a lot of it is, you know, we'll do surveys with our, uh, our dealers, you know, and in the past we've done surveys with our customers to really kind of understand how well we're doing in terms of, uh, you know, delivering against the expectations that we set with them. In addition to that, trying to understand where there are additional opportunities outside of that. So for me, it's it's really often about thinking about how you uh, you know see around corners. So that, you know, is a common uh, term that I use with customers, and it's really asking the next question. You know, not just how can I do better. I, I can remember a quote from Lee Iacocca who said, you know, if I'd have asked customers how to to design a minivan, I'd end up with a pacer kind of thing. It's they don't know what they don't know kind of thing. So you you have to you have to continue to keep uh, you know, asking questions of your customers, uh, of your designers, 
you know, in terms of what are the things that keep them up at night, right? What are the things that are, they're having challenges with their customers and then we continue to look for solutions to those problems for them. Mm -hmm. do, do you see, like, are you, um, are you moving towards like any, any trend uh, in, in the CX space? Like I'm trying to think of a couple that I've seen recently. And I, I know like chatbots, at least that from me as a consumer, I interact with, uh, and now I've, I've actually grown to become like accustomed to this. Um, are, are, are you like leaning into any trend that, uh, that you're starting to, to use on the CX side of things? Uh, I would say that for us, I think the trend that we're, you know, we're working on here personally, our strategy is, is to really uh, get more personal with our, uh, you know, with our customers, right? So what we're doing now is we reorganized our customer care group, you know, to really provide a uh, superior customer experience really on a more personal level, um, you know, looking at some technologies around chatbots and AI technology. Uh, at the end, just given kind of the product category we're in and the complexity of the process and the products, uh, you know, for us, it's really about having knowledgeable staff members who really understand the process, who really understand the product, uh, can really help the customer navigate through the process. So, I mean, it's just uh, really trying to make the relationship, you know, as uh, intimate as you can and as consultative as we can throughout the, throughout the process. Yeah, yeah, because it's not a it's not a, a a one buy and then it's it's done. Like I I click purchase and and it's being delivered and it's over. Like yeah, there's there's a lot of different uh, touch points between you and the customer throughout the process. Like, are are there companies that you look at and you say like these these companies are doing an awesome job and and I want to emulate them um, and and kind of add some of their tactics. Yeah, I think that, you know, for me, one that, that stands out is, you know, most of your, some of your premium car manufacturers. So like, for example, Mercedes-Benz, you know, when you buy a Mercedes-Benz, one of the things that they'll do is if you're going to have to have your car serviced, you know, they'll bring you a car, they'll take your car to have it serviced, and then they'll bring it back and uh, might be a day or two. But one is they make sure that they, you know, give you a car of, the, you know, the same type of car or better than the one that you have. What's interesting about that for me is, is really what's the, you know, what's the underlying uh, principle behind that, right? You know, so they clearly value, Mercedes-Benz clearly values the customer's time in that, in that case. I mean, getting a car to service, finding a ride back to work or to home or whatever, they've taken away that stress and, uh, you know, problems of managing your life that way. So uh, for me, that's a, you know, the takeaway is understanding, you know, what the driver is behind it, not necessarily what they're doing to, to create the customer experience, but what, what's the insight that they had to drive that customer experience. To me, things like that are, are really good. You know, it's the same thing with uh, Zappos, you know, you can order 50 pairs of shoes and send all 49 back and no cost. And stuff. Again, people just not really sure, uh, you know, what the, what they want, but making it easier for people to try things and to test things that, you know, uh, I think are uh, great methods for customer experience. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I have to tell you, I got my, my car fixed this weekend. It's a Toyota 
And I went, and Toyota can take a, a note from Mercedes because <laughs> no, no loaner. It was about five hours just waiting there. I was like, oh man, I could, it would have been nice to just come on back the next day. Like, give me a car and I'll, I'll come back on my own time. That would have been pretty nice. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I've got a, I got a truck needs an oil change and it's, it's exactly the same thing. It's like, geez, I don't really have time to run it to get an oil change, Uber back, yeah. you know, to work, wait for them to call me to only to Uber back to, you know, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a hassle. Yeah. 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 It's just a, a time suck. It are, are there questions that, that you, that you ask that get to the heart of that? So like when I, when I hear you go through the Mercedes example, it's, it's customers value their time and they don't want any like interruption to their normal day-to-day -day process. And yeah, Mercedes is going to break down every once in a while and it will need to get repaired, but like it, it boils down to that time aspect. Like, are there questions that that you've found success where you can get to the root of like the pain points of the customer? Yeah. You know, for me, I think it comes down to really understanding uh, it's, it's more observation and, you know, listening to conversation than, oppo than opposed to finding like the right question, so to speak. You know, for me, it's, it's really understanding compensatory behaviors that take place with customers uh, and consumers. So, or, you know, through a conversation, you'll hear somebody talk about the challenges of labor, for example. So one of the things that we look at is, you know, our dealers really looking at them and saying, hey, I've got a challenge with my margins. I'm not making the kind of money I need to make on my margins. And you kind of work through kind of their business process. And let's say they've said, for example, you know, I've had to replace my delivery guys three or four times or they're creating damage in the customer's home. One of the things that you know we do is we can do home delivery for them, right? It allows them to be able to take care of a bad customer experience that's associated with their brand or, or their their shop. Uh, and we can we can actually make that a you know kind of a white glove uh, process for them. Uh, and it saves them money. They don't have trucks, they don't have gas, they don't have employees, you know, they, they don't have the challenges of that. So we look for things like that throughout the entire process that allows us to, to uh, address those compensations that they're making uh, that's ultimately you know, costing them uh, margin. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because again, like you have two, two people, two large groups that you need to satisfy. Right. Like those dealers and then the homeowners. Yeah. And you just, you know, and it, it is, it's important to, you know, um, create, you know, kind of a diary process. So what we've done in the past is, you know, we have, uh, you know, uh, people fill out a diary. It's, it's kind of part of that consumer journey, but, but also traveling, you know, with dealers, designers, your delivery folks and things like that to see what's happening in the process, to see if there's certain things that you can do differently. So for example, one of the things in, a, in a, a, a ride along that I did with our delivery folks is they actually went in and believe it or not, this was my actually in my own house, but, but I went with them and then they were uh, delivering cabinets to our house and they brought the cabinets inside and they put them on the carpeting in the room that they were gonna uh, put the cabinets in. And when we went to unbox the cabinets, Lo and behold, there was a bunch of truck dust on the bottom of the, on the bottom of the boxes that now transferred to the carpet. The carpet had to be cleaned, right? But I looked at that and said, God, that's got to be happening in people's homes everywhere, right? I mean, you know. so we ended up actually then creating a floor protection uh, device for that. So the first thing that when the delivery people come in, the first thing they do is they put down a uh, floor protection. So, and it could be indoors or outdoors. So it's a, it, you know, 
designed in such a way that it also provided vapor barrier. So if it's sitting out in the garage, it's not getting wet and, you know, um, things like that. So, and we branded it, you know, so it was a great piece and it turned out to be, and the customer wanted to keep it at the end because it was thick enough that they used to use it as a paint drop cloth or something like that. But it's literally watching the small nuances of what's taking place in the process that nobody's ever going to tell you, geez, you know what? You ought to put a cloth down before you put your boxes down, right? Nobody's, nobody tells you that. You, you, you actually have to be able to be engaged and involved in a process to figure out really where uh, you can create a superior customer experience, a wow moment for people. Yeah, totally. I like that. It's like a, your undercover boss. <laughs> right, exactly. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know it was going to my house when we did it. <laughs> oh, you oh you didn't know it was going to your house. I didn't know it was going to my house either. I just was on the delivery truck. We had three deliveries and all of a sudden we're pulling in our neighborhood and I'm like, oh wow. And I'm like, oh, this is my house. Like, uh, oh, it's great. Too funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that was that, pretty yeah, that front door looks familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What so if you were to you know, you're on a panel, you have some people who are saying, like, hey Mark, like I, I need some advice, like what, what customer experience advice would you put on a billboard? Like you could get something and it would litter South Carolina with this one billboard. What would it be? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, look beyond the obvious. I, I, again, I think one of the things that's, you know, to your earlier point, I mean, customer experience is, you know, kind of cachet, you know, it's like yeah, everybody's doing customer experience. But the reality is, is, you know, some people will take credit for, being customer focused or having a great customer experience because they're doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, I think it goes beyond that. I think you do have to be able to look at how your customer's business, if you're a B2B or your customer who's B2C, how they're engaging in the process, uh, you know, um, and how they're engaging with the brand and look for those opportunities to create something that's, that's not obvious that it's, and it's not obvious, not only to you as a manufacturer or to, a, you know, a, a retail outlet, but also to, to the customer. Who owns CX? Like I, I've spoken with a handful of different companies and it, it varies in multiple different departments. Um, how, how, how do you think about it for you? And like, what's been your experience at, at different roles at different companies? Um, where have you seen it flourish? Uh, you know, for me, um, customer experience, first of all, everybody has to own, you know, the customer experience because we have a lot of touch points. Customers have a lot of touch points with the organization. Uh, it's not just customer care, but it can be our, our salespeople. It can be delivery people. So everybody owns the customer experience that might just have a, a slightly different uh, portion of the whole journey. Uh, but for me, I think it, it's, uh, you know, the, the vision has to be driven from the top down. I mean, at the end, I, uh, you know, as president and CEO, you know, have to have a passion for the customer uh, and the experience that we're delivering. Having said that, you know, Chris Wood, who's our director of customer experience, he, he really is the one that owns, you know, really kind of the innovation and the execution of our customer experience. He's really kind of on the front lines with him and his team you know, really working to understand our customer, the marketplace, uh, our consumers uh, relative to what their needs are. And then how do we, how do we deliver a better experience than what they've had? Yeah. So a couple, uh, a couple episodes ago, we, we interviewed a gentleman by the name of Luke Williams. He's the head of customer experience at, at Qualtrics. 
Um, and, and he was talking about, he, he wrote a book on this and, and it's all about the customer experience gap. And it's basically, it's, it's how companies think they're delivering one like level of customer experience, but yet the actual end user, the customer is seeing something differently. So there's, there's a gap between what the brand thinks it's delivering and what the, the customer is actually getting. And they talk about just like closing the gap. And so how, how is it, sounds like, like Chris and, and, and that team, like they're, they're focused on, on closing the gap and then maybe like inverting it if that's possible. I don't even know if that's possible, but, <laughs> but, but closing the gap so that alignment is, is there between the brand and, and the customer. And, and so like what tactics are you doing to make sure that that gap is as small as possible? Yeah. Again, I think it's important for us to one, understand, you know, really the journey, you know, do we really understand all aspects of the journey map? So one of the things that Chris and his team uh, will be looking at is, you know, developing a journey map for each of our brands. So we have three brands and very distinct price points. Uh, You know, each of those customers, uh, you know, go through a very different process. I mean, we have one, you know, from kind of a uh, pretty standard line to a very, very custom line and the expectations and the experience throughout that, those price points is very, very different. You know, so his challenges is really understanding the nuances of those different customer profiles uh, and really going through and, and creating a diary around, around that. So, uh, for him, it's, um, you know, we will look at our ability to generate leads and nurture those leads as we're creating, um, you know, that contact, hand them a electronic diary, allow them to uh, develop a diary for us through the, through the process and start to collect that data to really understand uh, where our gaps are, you know, I, and I think that's the other thing. I think, and then in addition to that, you know, we create customer surveys that enable us to establish a, a baseline. In addition to that, one of the things that Chris will be doing is, is pulling together a, a customer council. So we'll, we'll pull together customer, uh, a group of customers, you know, 10, 12 uh, customers that are very diverse and pull them together uh, on a regular basis and talk about uh, ideas and areas where we can improve the customer experience as a sounding board in terms of the the practical execution, practical application of kind of the customer experience along the way to understand, are we really, are we on the right path in terms of of where that, uh, that gap exists? For me, it's important to make sure you've got, you know, folks that have a ton of passion for the customer, right? And, and, you know, that's kind of what we have. And you could just never stop pursuing, you know, really, uh, you know, providing that experience for customers. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're really trying to ultimately what you're trying to do, right. Is you're trying to create evangelists, brand evangelists for your business. Uh, And in this industry for, you know, home remodeling cabinetry, uh, you know, 80, 90% of it is word of mouth. So if you give a great experience to somebody, they're going to tell all their neighbors and, and uh, you know, and, and there's been a lot of, you know, fair amount of research on this. I mean, once a kitchen gets done, the first, one of the very first things people do after their kitchen's been remodeled is they start inviting people over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you actually, and, and there's a, in that a moment, there's a huge opportunity in there uh, in terms of creating additional leads for your, 
for your customer, right? All of a sudden now they're bringing eight, nine, 10 people in to have a party and talk about their kitchens. It's just kind of a really weird uh, behavior, but, but a very powerful one in terms of helping us understand, uh, you know, how to create additional leads for our customers. That's an opportunity most, most of our dealers and designers pass up on, but we won't. We'll send a party, a little party package or something like that, that they can host a party. And in that are literally the dealer's business cards that they can hand out to kind of help create and stimulate that word of mouth for the dealer. Yeah. Oh, that's genius. And, and it, a, a, a kitchen is such a, a, an intimate and personal area. It's like the nucleus of every, every home. Yes. And, exactly. and when you invite people there, you know, it's the most trusted friend group and, and yeah, that, that is a, a good point that I've never, I've never really thought about when it comes to like the, the home remodeling, kitchen remodeling is that, yeah, yeah. You, you have, you are, you are at the like most intimate level with a customer and, and you, those people can be the best brand advocates for you at that at that moment, at, at any time, whenever anybody comes into, into their home and into that kitchen. Yeah. So, you know, at the same time, it, it's a high risk, high return, you know, type of uh, purchase. If it goes bad, uh, you know, you, you've also, you know, you also have somebody who's hitting social media and starting to really uh, create a problem for you. But, you know, but that's, that's part of what you have to make sure you're on top of uh, and you're in constant you know, constant contact around what's going on in that process. What, what's the diary that, that was interesting. Um, it, it reminds me of something that, that Nike's doing, but I, I before I tell the Nike example, I, I'm, I'm curious, what, what is that diary when you said that we give that, that kind of e-diary? Yeah. So, uh, you know, what, what I've used in the past is, is literally for them to kind of talk about how they're using their living space. So, you know, you send them the, once, once you kind of engage them, so the, the way the process works is uh, we, we've got a, a lead gen model and that works. It's pretty effective. And then we'll nurture that lead to a point where we get a, a score that they're, hey, listen, this, there's a high probability that they're going to purchase a kitchen. We will then uh, contact them and engage them in this, this diary. The diary really is all about them now starting to document uh, not only the journey that they're going through in terms of discovery, uh, but also, you know, in terms of how they're um, selecting their dealer, their designers and things, but also how they're using the space because that, that data now becomes very important for the designer at the same time. And it, and it kind of works them through. So literally it's how many people, how often are you, you know, what are you doing in your kitchen? Are you just cooking? Uh, or is it just an entertainment area or are you doing your homework in that area? You know, your kids, I mean, what, what's actually happening? And then you have them actually create that diary through, uh, through their discovery process and then share that with us at the end. In addition to that, we're also asking them questions around style. You know, what, what's their style preferences, you know, in terms of colors and wood species and, you know, um, you know, their, uh, how their functionality of the space. So, you know, you can make recommendations in terms of whether or not they plot trays or storage organization, uh, stuff like that. And you can continue to keep feeding them, uh, you know, information of, around those topics. So you're collecting, they're providing you data in terms of how they're, they're really uh, living in that living space. Yeah. It, 
so it's not the exact same what what Nike's doing. Um, it's it's a little similar. I thought I thought it was more on the lines of um, they they now have this team that, uh, well, at least all I know is just for in store right now. But um, but I have a friend who who she does this and it's super interesting where they, she sits in store for a week and turns them into like news articles, like what she observes. So she basically, she basically writes as if like a journalist was in Nike for in the store for like a week and, and what they observed and they create these like almost like novels that they then pass out to the entire company. And they're, they're super well-written. It actually has like dialogue and characters and it's all about how their customers are experiencing the store. And then it's it's a little bit easier to understand, and they wrap they, the rest of the company can kind of get immersed in how uh, their customers are actually feeling and and what they're saying, and it's very vivid. And um, and I've been dying to 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 read one of them. I'm like, oh, can you please send one? Like, I'd love to, I'd love to see this. But it's just how they keep a finger on the pulse of everything. So I thought like diary and a little bit of how Nike's doing their novels. I guess there's definitely some overlap. Um, but it's just it's it's an interesting approach to staying very close to how how the customers are experiencing the in store in store yeah. aspect. Yeah. Well, and in you know, kind of mentioned earlier. I mean, the the kitchen is kind of the hub of the home. I mean, and the how people use the kitchen is very cultural. You know, depending on you know kind of their uh, ethnicity and where they're at in their life stages, uh, becomes very different in terms of how they use it. Uh, you know, one of the things that you know, we look at is, for example, as the aging population is, you know, what are, what are the things, how are they using that space? So does that allow us to then think about, you know, lighting op- uh, options or making recommendations around the type of, of countertop they should use, you know, uh, should you use rounded corners. Say, listen, as I'm getting older, I might not judge my, my uh, space as well. I don't want to run into a sharp corner, right? You know, if it's it. It's, it's literally little things like that, that, you know, as you're, you start to understand more about how they use that space, you can make some pretty strong recommendations. And that's just something that people, you know, really value. Yeah. In, in the service world, um, you know, I'm, I've received service, um, you know, various plumbers, electricians, I've had a couple things installed and fixed. And, you know, I personally value transparency and, and I think a lot of other customers do, um, especially as like, you know, modern like technology, like Uber and, and, and Lyft and open table come, come to, you know, they've already been ingrained in our culture for a while, but like, it's, it's very transparent. We know who's coming. We know, we know like when they're arriving, we know sort of the previous reviews, like how, how do you, um, how do you like ensure that you're being transparent throughout the entire process with not only just the dealers, but, but the homeowners? Yeah. Yeah, no. And it's a, it's a important part again, uh, because the transparency I think really starts to demonstrate, you know, the respect you have for your customers and, you know, the consumer. Right. So for example, like on, uh, deliveries, you know, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we're notifying the customer 10 days out on when that delivery is going to take place on what day, four days out, we'll call them and tell them kind of what, the four hour window is going to be. And then, you know, that day we'll try to get it down to one hour, right? So we're, we're, what we're trying to do is, hey, listen, I know how important your time is. And if you've got to leave work, 
you'd like to know that it's it's not like the cable guy says, hey, I'll be there on Thursday from eight to five, right? Well, I, I mean, that doesn't help me, you know. Uh, but if it's I can like narrow the, it down, it's like to the one, classic Seinfeld episode. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, so so I think that's a, important in terms of you know being uh, accurate in terms of what you're going to do for them. I think the other thing is, is for us, it's really being uh, open and honest with our communications. I mean, listen, it's a it, it's we're working with a natural product. There are times where you know things do go bump in the night. Uh, what's most important is for us to make sure that whatever the problem is, we fix that for the homeowner as quickly as we can, because they're going through a pretty rough process and, and we don't want to delay that any longer than we have to. We'll worry about the details of it later, but if you need a door replaced or a hinge or something like let, we just, let's just replace it. And then we'll worry about it, you know, who's at fault or, or whatever. So I think it's important for us to make sure that we set that up uh, as well. And then, Ultimately, for me, it's, uh, you know, it's really about responding properly, promptly and accurately. Uh, if, if we've just got to continue to uh, manage the business with a high level of integrity, and, and if we make a commitment, we honor the commitment. Have you ever thought of using Apple Business Chat? Have you, ever, have you actually ever used it before? I have not. I, I just did it this past weekend uh, where I, I had a question for Apple. I wanted to know, like, if I could trade in a product in store and how much would it be? And, and it shot me to iMessage and I was chatting through iMessage with, um, with uh, one of their customer support members. And I got a response back within a second. And it was as if I was texting with a friend, like it was, it was in my, and it's still in my messages app on my, on my iPhone. And, uh -huh. and I looked that up afterwards cause it was the first time I've ever experienced this. And I was like, Oh, Apple business chat. I mean, I've heard of it, but, I looked into a couple companies that have been using it. I'm curious if like it, how they've seen success in that because I did feel like I was texting with a friend and I'm like, wow, this is like, somebody's giving me these answers super fast. Like I don't need to go to any chat bot. I don't need to like send a support ticket and get that long, you know, email back of like your ticket number three, five, two, one. Um, Right. It was like immediate response. And I, I personally just thought it was this great little touch. And I, I guess their companies can, can use it. Um, yeah, I didn't know if you've used it before or had any experience with that. No, I, not with Apple Business Chat. Um, you know, uh, in a previous uh, role that I had, we did use text. You know, again, this goes back to, you know, kind of what keeps you up at night is there are just some people who are just more comfortable texting. So you really have to be able to have that line of communication available and somebody monitoring it all the time, which sounds kind of the experience that you had with, with Apple Business, uh, because it is, a, it is a form of communication that is growing in preference. Uh, not, and, and actually not even just for, you know, for customers, but even for our sales reps. If our sales reps have a quick question to ask, instead of tying up the phone on a you know, with uh, customer care, they can send in a, a quick text and somebody can answer, you know, typically a te technical question or a customer question fairly quickly. That's kind of their preferred method of, of communication as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's really about managing your, your mix of uh, modes of communication. Yeah. You're, you're right though. Is like, it is a double-edged sword because if, if, if I didn't get a response back within 10 seconds, 
I'm like, screw this. I'm, I'm leaving this, this chat. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, then it puts a lot of constraints on the, on the business itself. Um, so final quick question. This, this has been absolutely awesome. Uh, what you, it, it, I love how you are thinking about customer experience. I love how all, all of the different examples of having the diaries and the surveys and the ride-alongs and, and, and to your one line of like looking beyond the obvious, um, how are you looking to solve like, I guess, let me reword the question is like, what, what challenge or problem do you see like a potential company like yourself or, or any company in the home home services space? Um, how do you see customer experience, like solving some of these challenges? Does that make sense? Does that question make sense? Yeah. I, I, I guess I think about it a little bit differently. I, what I'm, for me, customer experience, uh, you know, allows us to create a, uh, competitive advantage. And I would say it's even a sustainable competitive advantage. And the reason is, is that uh, when I look at that, I, I look at the fact that we are driving to, you know, to understand the insights of our customers that I believe most of our competitors aren't. Most of our competitors are competing on product or price or scale or something like that. At the end, the customer experience even if somebody wants to try to copy something you're doing on a customer experience that they don't truly understand the insight, they'll miss on it. And I've seen that happen, uh, you know, in a couple of instances, right? The, so it's important for us is to really try to create that, that customer experience that ultimately leads to a brand advocate for us on our products. Uh, that means that our dealers are less likely to turn over on us, you know, or, or take on a competitor product, you know, because what we're doing is we're, we're making their lives easier uh, and, and helping them to make more money in, in the end. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily look at us trying to solve a particular problem in that case. You know, so it's, uh, if I were to say it differently, I would say I think we're using customer experience as a proactive tool as opposed to a reactive tool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that because the, the way I see it too, and essentially the, the, this is the core of the podcast is that there are so many options for consumers to go elsewhere, regardless of the industry that you're in. And they could go based off a of product and price. And it's just very simple to just jump ship to a different brand. But when you build that experience that makes it amazing, it's, it's really hard to leave. And when I, when I think about it in my own life, and I don't mean to like, bash any companies, but, but like, uh, you know, Comcast, like they're, they're building their experience and they're definitely making it better. Um, but there's, there's been times where like I've left to various different, like their, their products. Great. Like I get (laughs) great service and it comes in crystal clear, but I could go easily to another, uh, cable service provider and I could get the exact same picture the same quality the price could be up or down, but the experience may be either a lot better, but I can change in like a second. But if that experience is amazing, it is really hard to then leave and jump ship. It's really, really difficult. So yeah, like I, I think that you're, you're on definitely the, like the perfect track to, to retain customers in this like very competitive world we live in right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Definitely. Um, well, cool. Well, Mark, this is this has been an awesome conversation. Really. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, 
you know, can't wait to kind of see the final product. Yeah, yeah. And thank, thank you for sharing all, all of these examples. Um, yeah, I, I, I know a lot of our listeners are really going to enjoy this. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully take some, some tips and, and tricks and, you know, apply it to themselves and maybe think about things differently and look beyond the obvious. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, Mark, thank you. So if you want to learn more about customer experience, head over to the Dispatch blog. That is blog.dispatch.me. Remember to subscribe to In The Know on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, or really wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. As always, thanks for joining, and we'll see you next episode.